Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We got lots to talk about, and the two perfect people to do it. We've got uh, Bob Richardson, senior counsel over at National Public Relations. Hello, hello. Good evening. And Anthony Fury, who you can read, of course, Sun Post Media. He's a columnist over there and uh, digging into some good stories of late, my friend. Big my stories. two good friends. Happy Friday to you both. <laughs> oh, nothing wrong with Fridays. Well, let's talk about the big story of the day, um, which kept everyone on their feet running around. But the first minister's meeting uh, was, you know, on no major walkouts. It was considered a, a productive meeting, but that's because the premiers really had to force their hand on this. But the big headline, I think, is this cap-and-trade fight between uh, the Prime Minister and Doug Ford, and Doug Ford basically coming out and saying that the goalposts have all of a sudden been moved. Take a listen. The goalposts got changed. The goalposts got changed when I said, it doesn't matter how we get there as long as we hit 30%. What I was told by the Prime Minister is, well, no, that's not the case now. Some will carry more water than other provinces. That, That sets uncertainty. Okay, and so, you know, Catherine McKenna was asked about this, um, you know, why is this happening? And she refused to answer what was a pretty simple question. Is Ontario being singled out to do more uh, to meet its emission targets, which were on target to meet? Um, It was a pretty easy yes or no question. But the bottom line is, I'll start with you on this, Anthony, is they've picked a fight over this and... It's politics. Or how do you see it? I, I imagine that what Catherine McKenna will argue is because it's we want it 30 percent sort of per capita. So there are more people on Ontario than there are in PEI. So we want you to sort of shift over and and take more of the percentage points or something. And and, and that to me seems like shifting the goalpost based on what I've always uh, uh, read about this. It was just this sort of national target. And then Ontario goes, OK, well, we'll do our part. OK, here, 30 percent. But the, the, the bigger challenge in all of this, Alex, is you remember Trudeau did not want to talk about this. He wanted to talk about interprovincial trade. And I don't blame him for that. And if he does get progress on that file, I think we should all oh, applaud him. Great, yeah. But these are the bigger issues right now. They're the, the more pressing issues that the provinces uh, want to bring to the table. And I, I, I just can't believe that there's always this chicanery from the feds of always these new ways to, oh, Doug Ford, you're wrong, and trying putting him on the defensive when it's clearly them on the defensive. We've got multiple provinces filing the superior court claims. Jason Kenney's going to get into the mix if and when he wins, and he probably will win. And then the federal election is going to be a referendum on this darn thing. I, I don't know why the Liberals are are continuing to kind of pratfall in, into all of this. Well, Bob, I think a lot of people will say, well, why does it matter how we get to our targets? If we get to them, then we've done our job. They don't need to be moved around. How do you see this? Well, number one, I think a lot of what was just said is nonsense. Uh, I think uh, Doug Ford's been all, all over the map, uh, <laughs> uh, has uh, been all over the map on this. You know, he, he did withdraw from cap and trade. He Most most observers think he is weakening the targets by his plan that he, he has going right now. Um, I, I'm no big fan, to be quite honest, of Catherine McKenna. But on this one, you know, I think some of the criticisms that were put forward and he just seemed hysterical at this thing from start. This is a guy who tried to pull out of the meeting before it even started. Uh, well, he wasn't the only so, one. There were several. No, that. Be, no, because he's so excessively partisan and he looked like a fool. Uh, more experienced premiers like Palliser, Horgan, Gallant and others, when they were asked the question, said, I'm not doing that. Um, so this guy just needs to turn down the partisanship. Uh, about five notches, focus on the province, um, explain why he's doing what he's doing, uh, and stop being this sort of bumper sticker all the time. So I don't think he had a good day. I don't think he looked that great. 
quite frankly, I think the prime minister had a good day. And also the prime minister, uh, you were saying that the, the premier should get credit. The prime minister should get credit. This is the fifth uh, first minister's meeting in four years, which certainly Fourth. didn't happen yeah. under the pre- pre- previous prime minister. And uh, I thought he looked uh, pretty responsible well, today. Well, hold on. Thing. How can you say that? I mean, he had to be forced to change the agenda. He didn't want to talk about any of these issues, including uh, oil he, and the situation. In yeah, Alberta. Alex, hold on. Time out. When, when, Bob, when Bob was speaking, I was confusing. Who, who is he referring to? Is he referring <laughs> to Trudeau or, or Ford in all of this? Because, I, I mean, the bottom line is these are the issues. Trudeau is on the defensive on all of these issues. And he clearly said, OK, interprovincial trade, because it was an easy thing that everybody kind of agrees on. I mean, it's a difficult policy file, but they want to move forward on the carbon tax, the illegal border crossers, you know, heavens, Rachel Notley shipping oil by rail. Where the hell did that come from? I mean, these are all files that Trudeau is not winning on either dealing with the premiers or in the court of opinion. And I don't think he's winning in common sense policy either. So Ford is just where the people are. And I think where most of the other premiers are. Yeah, well, you know what? Ontarians would disagree with you, according to three public opinion polls that have been out, including Ecos today. Yeah, I don't know about that. Negative numbers on Ford, which shows the leaderless seven-seat Ontario Liberal Party up eight eight points and the Conservatives down. So, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm having a little bit of trouble accepting this as, as gospel that Ontarians are wild and raged uh, over over uh, Ford's position on the uh, or, or Trudeau's performance on the carbon tax, because there is no evidence to suggest that that is the case. But we did have a poll last week that said, well, people are concerned about the issue. They don't want to pay for it. It was like, it was 62 percent. I think that was the number where people said, yeah, no, I'm, I'm all about it, but I'm not paying any more for it. So well, go with ahead. Great respect. I don't want to pay for it. Nobody ever wants to pay for it in a, in a question. Having been a pollster, if you ask a question like that, you'd be hard pressed to find anyone in the province who wants to pay for it. But when you put when you put it, what are the options? What is it going to do? Do we? Oh, and the question is rigged. And then, and then all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden, you start to get different responses on that as people get more thoughtful. Yeah, yeah, and, Alex. The question is usually like, sticker. given that experts say that the world is going to be engulfed in flames in six months, would you then support <laughs> well, a crime? No, people are like, oh, geez, I guess I better say yes. And hey, you and I will agree on that. That's Catherine McKenna, and that drives me crazy too, as well. Yeah, and I got to be honest, and and I got to be honest, Ecos. I mean, look. From some of the tweets that I see of the person that runs on it, I'm like yeah. the, the disdain for Ford is quite clear. So I question the numbers of of where we get to it. But nonetheless, we can debate this and we will be debating this, no question, up until the next election. Interestingly, um, one of the big things I think kind of the underlining headline is, is Quebec Premier Legault refusing any kind of discussion about Energy East. So this is... You know, for those who don't know it, this is a pipeline that is actually built. They need a tiny little section uh, through Quebec to get that done. And then we can ship oil all over the place. It would be great for Canada. It would be great for New Brunswick. It would be amazing for Alberta. He won't budge on this. I'll start with you on this, Bob. Is it not time to say to Quebec, you know what, get away from the trough? Well, you know, I think it's hugely disappointing, and uh, hopefully we can do some work on this to turn them around, because I think it's important. I think Energy East would be great. Uh, I think we also need the pipeline out west, um, and uh, we need greater refining capacity, which all of which has been neglected for what 10 12 years now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so so we really do need to get uh get to it but you know there does come a time when you have to say hang on here a minute our friends in Quebec are the net beneficiaries of what 6 8 billion dollars plus um <laughs> They've gotten uh, in, a lot. Terms of, in terms of transfers but also uh, they ha- they have a better deal on immigration they have a better deal on the uh, uh, UI than we do here and so on and so forth there does get a point where you have to say, hang on for a second here. 
uh, we're all in this together. And I think we're getting pretty close to that point. I, I agree with you. I actually think that, um, you know, the alienation Alberta right now is feeling, um, Anthony, is not like what we've seen before. And I think they're at the point where they're ready to go. I don't want my Canada without Alberta. But again, the third rail in politics is any do it, saying anything to Quebec. But they 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 have to do their part. And I'm being polite when I say that. Yeah, my, my conservative friends in Alberta and, and folks working on the Jason Kenney campaign, I know they hate when I say this, but I, I think Rachel Notley is, is pretty sincere and she's actually uh, learned the realities of governing yeah. and she was some far left eco protester. Now she's yeah. like, yeah, you know, this is the economic lifeblood. This is the lifeblood because of my province. Because she's seen the families up close. What on earth is yeah. going on here? Uh, we got to pick this up. That's why she's she's out of the carbon tax. People don't include yeah. her in the list because she's not part of the court reference and so forth. But she's saying, if you are not giving me any pipeline... I'm out of this. She's not buying it. And when she said things to John Horgan, I mean, criticizing them, they're both in the NDP family, but those were not kind words. Right. That, that was very much animus there. I mean, she I think she's very much doing her job. It's not going to save her skin in the next election, but might, she knows we have a situation on our hands here. But Bob, could it, she... it, would, it would be nice to see some honesty from Jason Kenney and have him uh, say that, geez, you know, we didn't get stuff done for 10 years when we were in office, as opposed to, you know, they, they did get some stuff done. Uh, of the amnesia party. They got before. stuff done, Bob, you know that. Uh, no, it, they look, got, they had they, they, nothing done they got Hunter, Northern Gateway approved. They're, but their, their provincial party, which was in for 25 years before uh, 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 Rachel Notley yeah. didn't save a cent when Denmark managed to put a trillion dollars aside in a sovereign wealth fund. So while this lampshade party was going on for 20 or 25 <laughs> years in Alberta, um, the Norwegians managed to put a, a, a trillion dollars aside, and, and there's no acknowledgement of that either. So, I agree. It's an embarrassment Alberta, to the legacy of Peter Lockheed. Yeah, Albertans have got to take a little responsibility here. And Quebecers have to take responsibility here. But could Bob, theoretically, and I would love it if she did it, could Notley not just say, we're not sending any money to Quebec unless they sit down at the table with us? Because, frankly, I think they have to play hardball here or they're not going to get anything. I'm not sure how that works. Like how how much more honest. diplomatic can they do? De- I mean, the conversations aren't getting it done. You can stop it from happening. I mean, it doesn't go directly to Quebec. It goes into the broader right. equalization pot. But you can yeah. you can say close down this sort of, you know, like how you have a fund with your stock account to your checking account. You can say shut that down to the Receiver General of Canada. You can do that. And then there's going to yeah. be uh, court injunctions, but you can do it to show you're serious. It's not a bad idea. I got to be honest. I would love it. I do. I just I'm at the point now where I'm like, we're all in one country. We all have to work together and we're all suffering because of, you know, serving special interests or, you know, pandering to certain votes. And I just think it's at the detriment to us all. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head with Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We got Bob Richardson and Anthony Fury weighing off on a whole bunch of issues. This story is Wow. We're talking about a story that uh, is Canadian-based, but it has major international implications. And we're talking about the, uh, I can't ever say this name. Is it Huawei? Huawei. (laughs) I hate the way this is uh, written. I have a hard time with it. Huawei um, executive uh, has been arrested in a stopover, apparently, uh, when she was traveling to Mexico. And, you know, Justin Trudeau has been criticized for having too close a relationship or maybe being too lax on China. And now he seems to be stuck in in the middle of what is a diplomatic nightmare with really big implications because he's torn between the U.S. and now China dealing with this. Stephen Harper was speaking out about this today, and he said Canada has got to ban Huawei. Here's what he said. When I was in government, we were increasingly concerned about the penetration of Huawei and ZTE 
into Western democratic telecommunications networks. Uh, these are organizations ultimately tightly, clo uh, tightly tied to Chinese security apparatus. And we think there's some real serious uh, issues there. I n obviously note that the United States is encouraging Western allies to essentially push Huawei out of the emerging 5G network. And my personal view is that that is something that Western countries should be doing in terms of our own long-term security issues. All right, so this I'll start with you on this one, Bob, because this is a, this one's a, a tough one because Justin Trudeau is going to have to um, agree or work with the United States when they call for that extradition because we have an agreement with the United States. How do you navigate this one? Well, there's no upside on this issue, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, my sense is, A, he's already, by the fact that we have arrested this individual and that the person is going to be extradited to the U.S., uh, is my understanding. I guess we've already uh, concurred or agreed with the United States on this issue. Uh, this has been a brewing issue for a while, uh, I, at least for five or seven years. We seem to be behind the yeah. curve a bit of this in Canada, Big time. Um, both under the previous prime minister and under this government. Um, in comparison to the United States, I'm not sure why, whether it was a lack of information or we didn't have our eye on the ball, but there clearly are some major concerns here, and I think it needs to be better explained to Canadians why, but uh, Huawei has been allowed to expand, I think, fairly substantially in this country uh, in the last sort of five to ten years, and uh, if, if these concerns... Um, have been there, you kind of have to ask yourself, why has this been allowed to happen? And, and interestingly, I mean, Huawei, it, I mean, it has to go. Um, I don't see the need to keep it, given it will put us on the wrong side uh, of our allies. Uh, Anthony, there is no gain to this. But why are we so lackadaisical about this? This is the biggest story of the year. And I say that at the end of a year that has been wow. full of big <laughs> news stories. And here is why. This you were just may... in, were you not just in China? I was just in Taiwan. Yeah. Uh, this may end up being somewhat comparable to the assassination of the Archduke Franz Ferdinand by wow. Gavrilo Princip, the shot heard around the world. Because what Donald Trump would like to do right now and what other world leaders would like to do is stop China from trying to realign the global picture. And they currently fund many initiatives in Africa and in Eastern Europe to make yeah. them economically and financially reliant upon them. And they're trying to get America to not be the leader of the free world and make the West irrelevant and hasten the West decline. This is a very odd arrest because can you actually arrest a single business executive, an individual for these sanctions happening there? Did she directly order them? The CFO, the daughter of the founder of the company, yeah. who's a former intelligence officer for the People's Liberation Army. Huawei, the concerns that you get 5G network, that's going to be in everything. That's going to be in how you heat your homes. Siri. That's going to be in your Siri, in the little in the little camera on everybody's yeah, uh, computers people, we're just and everything. About this. And yeah. this is what potentially could happen from Huawei here. And this is Donald Trump and maybe Trudeau acknowledging as well. And everyone's saying this stops right now and we are stopping this global realignment and we're punching back because China continually does things and steps over bounds like the Sinoc Nexon thing. There was a person who died on that facility here in Alberta and they did not get due process. The, a Chinese helicopter took them out of our country and then it took them on a plane out of here. This is potentially the end of all of that but things are going to get crazy afterwards i mean i think i think what's lost on on a lot of people uh, you know most people is that CSIS doesn't speak publicly they just don't no. come out so for them to come out on tuesday and kind of drop the the tidbit of we got a problem warning business leaders about espionage and this threat up from china and then to hear about the arrest obviously this was 
I think, orchestrated by them, uh, Bob, to to kind of bring this story to the forefront. But I, I do agree with Anthony. I think it's going to get bigger before it goes away. Yeah, and I think on national security uh, issues, we need to do a better job in our public institutions. Yep. In the U.S., you know, there are very smart people in the House of Representatives who have subpoena power. There are usually a half a dozen senators who are experts on these sort of issues who come and talk out on this. In Canada and in any of the parties, I can't think of anybody who is, you know, of that kind of stature. And these we got Tony gonna... Clement on the National Security <laughs> Committee yeah, yeah, sending around his pictures. <laughs> God, well, there you, oh. well, there you go. Uh, you're making my point. Thank you, Anthony. But but I think we need to do a better job, and I think parties need to invest more time, energy, yeah. and effort, and money into these things. Because we've got to start taking these issues more seriously than we have. I think so, too. But, you know, we've got parties that are taking money uh, from all sorts of of investors from the Chinese. I mean, they have, in the last three or four years, built an enormous, uh, you know, really built their roots into this country. And I I find it alarming. And, you know, Alex, I I don't know what to make of Justin Trudeau on this file. Because, you know, I criticize him for taking the jets out of the ISIS fight and so forth. But uh, nixing that ACON deal, very good decision. And there's some other stuff he's doing trying to get uh, our Arctic sovereignty going. And and, and I think uh, Harjit Sajjan is on the right page on all of that. And it looks like Trudeau's going to have to nix this Huawei deal, which is interesting. But then again... And he was under tremendous pressure, I think, on the Acon deal to let it go forward. So right. I found that one very interesting too, as well. So, so Trudeau might, might on this issue may be heading in the right direction, and I and I hope he is. And I know he says, "Oh, we wouldn't have interfered on this," but if we really didn't want us to be stopping her in between these planes, we would not have. It would not have happened. Yeah. Bottom line is, it's a balancing act, but the, the implications, I think, for everyday people and our national security, it has to be dealt with. And I think people have to become more educated on just how much we're sharing, because we hear about these data breaches and everyone kind of spying on us. And we're so lackadaisical about it. But this is different. I mean, they want to steal what we have. All of these things in these science fiction movies from 20 years ago, I mean, I mean yeah. it, it can potentially <laughs> become true. I mean, people worry, oh, your, you know, your SIN number was maybe appeared in some document that was left no train, and that's considered these massive data breaches. No, the data breaches, this 5G gets up and running and some guy in, in another country on the other side of the world flicks a switch and suddenly there's poison in the water filtration systems in Toronto. That stuff from James Bond plots, that's the 5G network facilitates that. Quickly, I don't have a lot of time, but Bill 66 is out. It's a massive piece of legislation. Bits and pieces kind of getting buried uh, under the big headlines of the First Minister's meeting. But one of those um, headlines, and it's got a lot of people concerned, is about the opening up the green belt for po- for possible development. And, and I get wanting to preserve green space. This is one of those bipartisan issues. Um, but we do have a shortage of housing. Doug Ford came out today and said, we are not touching the green belt. But there is um, opportunity, I guess, Anthony, to do so. It is amazing how far north homes in Brampton can go, you know, the, the upper limits of the GTA. And I, I have a property. We will spend yep. Christmas there, summers in the Greenbelt. And there are beautiful areas and there's rules pretty much for even just to build a little shed. But if you're going to bring in, uh, increase your number of immigrants coming to Canada by, 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 by you know, tens and thousands of more, and they're predominantly going to the GTA, you got to find a place to put people. And those are the pressures uh, that we're under right now. And I think even under the previous government, too, there has been some flexibility. I think there was like almost some land swaps that yep. were made where yep. some things were put into the green belt and other things that were taken out. I think we need to be reasonable on this issue. Yep. I think you right. want to preserve the integrity of the green belt. Mm-hmm. But I think you want to, if there is some flexibility and if it makes you know sense in in certain areas to be doing certain things and putting other stuff back in, I don't think we should necessarily tie the government's hands on that. 
But I think we need to be very cautious and keep a very close eye on this one because uh, this is one that could get overrun pretty quickly uh, uh, by the development community if you don't. Agree. All right, guys, got to leave it on that note. I thank you so much. Good conversation. We got Bob Richardson and Anthony Fury joining us tonight. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.